Hallelujah. Well, I hear the preacher. I could, I could. But I won't. Here he is. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, Brother Ford. Let's give him a good bend. Good bend there. Welcome to this pulpit tonight. God bless you, Brother Ford. Love you, man. Appreciate you. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Shout with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. We've got the victory. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Ain't something cooking in this house, brother. Man, I don't don't ask my wife how I get. Before I left the house, I'm twiddling my hands and fussing at her and carrying on at my wits end. I'm trying to cook some sausages with stuff in them and trying to get my mind right and trying to and I, got, I messed my mind all up. Because I was cutting up onions and bell pepper and stuff instead of trying to get my head on straight. But brother Moore, there's something cooking in the house. Woo. I was cooking at the house, but there's something cooking in the house. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Uh, I think I hear the footfalls of a sandal-footed man from Galilee in the place tonight. <laughs> Well, hallelujah. Hey, he's here to do you something. He's the unbelievable, undeniable, powerful, almighty God who can do anything but fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is here for you. But when I come to the house of the Lord, they said, then I knew their end. But when I come to the house of the Lord, then I knew the end of those temple things and the power of our God to lift us up above the shadows. You know, I just want to say this because this is what I've been wanting to do for weeks now. But because of this COVID, we can't. But I've just been wanting to just hug y'all up and squeeze you. We're more than just family. We're brethren of the household of God. We're closer than blood even because it's the blood of Calvary that ties us and binds us together. Well, hallelujah. And he loves us with a love that is unmeasured. I said it this morning. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And his love is never ending, never failing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, why don't we just run the aisles and uh, shout and have a good time. You needed this. You know, and you, you know what? And, and, you know what? I, I, I kind of, I mean, just miss that. Just that, and praying one for another, and just it is six fifty eight.
Don't mean a thing. I say that every time. Can I tell you a story? You'd be seated. Can I tell a story? Let, let me, let me uh, not so much as maybe I do. I'm going to say this. But thank you, Pastor Moore. Thank you, church, for putting up with me. And, uh, It's a delight to put up with some people, and then some people you just have to, you know, Kay Graft had a column she wrote for years, and I think she finally quit here in the last month or so. She retired from writing a column called Grin and Bear It, and I'm one of those that you kind of have to grin and bear it, and uh, I don't know if it's a good sign or bad sign, Brother Barry, but I don't have any notes. I didn't get to write anything down. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of wing it. But it's good to see you out tonight. Thank you for being here. Bless you, Jesus' name. I don't have a title for it. I hadn't come up with one yet, but <clears throat> I'm sure Brother Josh will help me figure one up sooner or later. Or just make one up for me. And, uh. I'm not going to read a text. <clears throat> I'm just going to talk. And I'll try not to. Uh, I've had a cold ever since last October. And I hadn't got rid of it yet. But. <clears throat> There was a time, a period of time in the nation of Israel where after that Joshua, just if you would just stand in, did you want to say something? I didn't see you. All right, hear it. 
How many know that's really right? You know, Jesus gave the parable of the seed and the sower. And I've said this numerous times, and right now it bears repeating again. Some fell by the wayside, never had a chance. Some fell on stony ground that because it was not very much soil at all, they just came up and because the roots was exposed and they just came up and died right away because the sun hit them and they, they didn't have enough root system and moisture to sustain them. And others fell, it's set on good ground. Then he come by to see <clears throat> one day in his field. Or it fell. I guess the soil was good. I don't know. But the fowls of the air came and got some of it. I, but he goes by and it's looking good. Some has grain on it. Others looking really, really good. It's beautiful. The bush is fine. But the bush had no fruit thereon at all. Zero fruit. It looked the part. It seemed the part. It was in the right place. But it had no fruit. Didn't have the wrong fruit. And because it had no fruit, it was worthless. Because the cares of life and deceitfulness of riches choked the word. And it said it became unfruitful. Let's be careful. Lest we allow the things of life that are necessities sometimes. But we go beyond the necessity. Reaching with both hands greedily. And miss out on the favor of God. And the things of God. But praise God. But that's free. It didn't cost you a dime. Uh, after Moses and the children of Israel had come across the Red Sea, had journeyed 40 years in the wilderness, and Moses is giving them instructions of what God said unto them and how they should conduct themselves and who could be a part and who could not be a part of the kingdom of God or the children of Israel or coming to the presence of God into the tabernacle. Uh, and he gave them uh, those stipulations. And uh, Moses is telling them, because I spake in it ill-advisedly with my lips, and, I, and it went not well with me at the rock, and I smote the rock. He said, uh, I can't go over into that land. And so he took him in the land of Moab and to Pisgah, and he took him to the heights thereof. He said, but I'll let you look into the land. To which 
the children of Israel are going to the promised land. And so Moses got to see the promised land. And in his place, God set up a man that had went with him to the mount, was with him when he broke the tablets of stone, and went back with him when he got the second set of stone tablets with the word of God written on them. And so Joshua took his place and led the children of Israel into the promised land and fought the battle against the kings and, uh, and led them with a strong hand. And he's the one that said uh, at the end of his life, and he was uh, making them testify, and, uh, and he was uh, exhorting them and saying, Now, uh, are you going to live for God or are you going to serve the gods of this land? No, we're going to do this. And don't you know that God's going to take the blessing and he's going to let the land become a, a desolate to you. And he's going to, where he's given you the land, he's going to take it back and he's going to put uh, you under oppression. And, uh, and so uh, they say, yeah, the Lord is witness. And so the thing was witnessed and, and he says, uh, who are you going to serve? And it's right at the last. He says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you know, know the story and then he, he gives up the ghost and he goes the way of all men and uh, they're uh, left and as long as there were old men alive that had, had seen the things of God and had remembered uh, the, how God that had led them and the things that Moses had wrought. As long as uh, those men were alive, uh, there was a semblance uh, uh, of a time uh, uh, that they lived for God and that they, they kind of uh, clung to the things of God in a, in a measure. Uh, but we have a period that's called the judges. And in that period, we have judges that are good judges. We have judges that was uh, judges for a few months, some for a couple of years, and some for a, a, a many years. I think Samson was the longest one. And uh, they, there's more written about Samson in the book of Judges than any of the other judges. And I think he was a judge for about 40 years. And uh, But in the time of the period of the judges, uh, when we get close to the end of that time, it's a time in Israel brother more that when you read the things of God and you read about what God gave to the children of Israel and you see the mighty hand of God and the blessing of God and you read about how that God fought their battle and he drove them out with hornets out of the land and he drove them out with different kinds of things with hail and with storm and he come against them with the thunder of his voice they somehow got to a place where they were so filled with debauchery it's almost unimaginable the place that they got to it's a place where Sodom and Gomorrah is revisited again but now it's in the promised land now it's among the children of the most high God now it's the seed of Abraham according to the flesh and they're doing anything that they can do and the Bible says that every man done what was in his own eyes right. And so it's a time where it comes to a head when a man is from a, a, a Levite. He's got a concubine, a wife, if you would say. And uh, uh, he's going to take her home after she had played the harlot. And uh, he 
She went home for a few months. He goes back to get her. The, the, the man's happy that he's come to get, uh, his son-in-law's come to get his daughter. And, uh, and so he says that, but he would not spend the night. He said, no, I'm going home. And it happens through Gibeah, the land of Benjamin. And while he's there, their men come beating at the door. He meets an old man that's from the same land that he's from. He says, yeah, I see you. Oh, you're a stranger. He said, yeah, I, we got this. We got poverty. Everything's good. And we're just saying, he said, no, you come with me, but don't stay in the street. Please do not stay in the street. And it's not long that the men of Belial or Beliah, however you want to say it, men, unclean men are beating on the door, said, we want the man that come into you. We want to know him. We bring the man out to us. And it's revisited again what Lot went through when in the Sodom and Gomorrah with the angels, when they visited them and they were about to rain fire and brimstone on the place. Friend, I'm telling you, I don't know how it is, but if you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, we'll sit in the house of God, we'll look the part, we'll be the called, we'll be those that had been chosen, but Judas's carrot was chosen, but somehow there was something that got in his spirit. Somehow he lost that great call. Somehow he lost the favor, and it was him that betrayed the Lord and in the end he took his own life because the presence of God was departed from him. It's not by chance, hallelujah that, uh, that the word of God is written the way it's written but, but these men they come and the man said don't do so vile and so wickedly but I have a, a daughter here and the man has his concubine we'll bring them out. No, 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 no but he kept on and finally the man come to the door. He gives him the concubine. And they it is a, 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 a thing with children. I'm not going to go into detail. But whatever you, it's so despicable. It's so uh, ungodly. And, uh, and they abused and used and tormented that woman until the break of day. And he was out to go. And it said her hand was on the threshold. She had made it back to the door. And he said get up and let's go. But she said no a word. Get up. Come on now. And uh, back in those days, just from reading this, uh, they're not they were not as gentle as we are with you today. So be thankful you're living today and not in those days. Hallelujah. Brother Randy, I'm not, I can't get on that about the submissive wife because uh, I, he's always about that. And I say, yeah, I will. But, you know, I got to give equal leverage because uh, for that to really work, there has to be a husband that loves a wife, even as Christ loved the church. I just ain't get off on all of that because that puts it on me. <laughs> Well, can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> Hallelujah. You got to, hey, 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 hey. We got to have the whole word of God. We got to have it both sides. We got to have the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Hey, we got to hear the voice of the Lord and listen intently to what he's saying. And don't listen to the grifters out there and all the other the charlatan with a smooth voice. Want to give you another way and an easy way. But let's listen to what the whole counsel of God was saying to us. And and so uh, she, uh, he notices uh, that she, her spirit is gone and she is gone away. And he loads her up and takes her to his own place. And the Bible says that he cuts her into 12 parts and sends the parts. Now these are men of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. And they've done such a dastardly deed that when he done this and he said, 
the 12 parts to the 12 regions of the land of Israel. That they were so incensed that they all come together and said, we can't let this thing go uh, without uh, being dealt with. Hey, they can't get away with this unhindered. And so the whole camp of Israel come up against Benjamin for to fight against them. And they come against them and first said, give us those men. And they would not. So Benjamin chose to fight. And in the ensuing days, before God finally took a hand and said, this time you're going to win. They killed 18, 20-something thousand. I forget how many of the tribe, of, of the 12 tribes. Benjamin, the one. Of the other 11. And, uh, and it's so they were whipping them coming and going. But this next time we're going to put liars in wait. And we're going to get a signal when we see fire coming out of the city. So we're going to draw them out. And so when they went to fight this time, they kind of lagged back. Said, oh, the, we're beating them down again like we did at the other time. And so they let them beat down, you know. They kind of, they moved. And then all of a sudden, behind them, they heard a shout. And the men of Israel turned. And they looked them in the eye and they looked back and they said, uh-oh, there's evil determined on us this time they looked back and they saw the cloud and the flames reaching up to heaven and the children of Israel beat Benjamin down their own brother their own children Hey, they beat them down to the earth and 65,000 men of Israel and Benjamin together more than 65,000 men lost their lives in that battle in those battles because every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. You look at where you're living at right now. Nobody wants to hear the voice of the Lord. They've even, some of them gone so far away they want to tear down statues of Jesus. Oh uh, yeah, and 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 emblems and things of about Jesus because they made him white and we don't like no white Jesus. I'm just telling you how the cow eats the cabbage. That's the time you're living in now. I don't care if he was black, it's all get out. As sackcloth of ash. I don't care if he was white as a snow. Doesn't matter to me. Or if he's like whoever. And if his eyes was real, real like that, I don't care. The point is, on a hill far away was an old rugged cross. And standing between God and man was a man, Christ Jesus. And on him was laid all the sin of mankind. And he bore that. And he bore every sin. And that body and that perfect sacrifice that knew no sin. Neither was God afraid. It became every diabolical thing that Benjamin done. It became everything that was done in Sodom and Gomorrah. It became everything that's being done today. And he held it to a tree. And he hung it on a tree. And he became all of that. And he nailed it to a tree. And he triumphed over it in the grave. 
and he nailed it to a tree. Why the scripture said, cursed is everyone that he became a curse that was perfect in every way, undefiled, pure. He was the holy God, robed in flesh, and he came and dwelt among us that he could be a faithful and just high priest for us. And he made a way when he went into the regions of hell and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to man. He's a God that'll do to stand with. He's a God that's worth dying for. He's a God that he gave his life for you. You want to give your life for him. Because in giving your life, losing it for him, you'll save it for eternity. You save your life, you'll lose it. You lose your life, he said, for the gospel's sake. And so we see. I need to walk. I don't like being still. A whole lot. Kind of do. Sometimes I don't. And so, I believe that's, if I'm not mistaken, Pastor Moore, that may be more men that they lost in totality. Taken the land. They lost more men fighting each other because of sin. And wickedness and violence. But I noticed somewhere in the midst of when they were, every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes in the period of the churches. There's a man and his wife, a man man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi. That in time of famine, they left the land of Israel and they go into the land of Moab. And there, their sons married daughters of the Moabites. And it's such a contrast to what we're reading about Benjamin. Well, what we're reading about, them coming to Micah's house and, and finding a Levite with the images and idols. And one of the tribes set him up to be priest over a tribe and bring your images with you. And God said, you shall not have any kind of graven image at all. You shall not have any kind of idol. In the midst of that, Famine comes in the land of Israel. And so they take their two sons down into Moab to sojourn during the time of the famine. And they married daughters of the Moabites. One was named Orpha and the other was Ruth. And you know the story that in time Elimelech died and then her two sons, Malon and Chilion, they die. And so Naomi says, I'm going to go back to my land, to which I'm from. Says, you daughters, you daughters-in-law, go back to your father's house. And there abide, and maybe you can find rest. Or maybe there can be somebody 
that will take care of you. Or you can find somebody that will give you a place. And so they said, no, but we'll go with you. We want to be with you. We don't want to leave you. She says, have I got yet any sons in my womb? He says, go, go, go back to your house. So Oprah kissed her mother-in-law and went back. said, but Ruth, clave. To Naomi. No. I don't know what she had heard. I don't know the stories that they may have told her. In the ensuing time that she was married. I'm sure Naomi and Limelech had told their sons. But if they kept the commandment of the Lord. He says when you walk by them in the way. When you rise in the morning. And when you walk by them in the way. And when you're working in the field. And that evening when you come back in. At the table and right before you go to bed. He said. You shall say, Hero Israel, the Lord our God. Jehovah our God is one Jehovah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, and thou shalt love him with all thine heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. You shall teach them the ways of the Lord. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, bear false witness, thou shalt not. Hey! Teach them every day, every morning. They wake up all day long. And I don't know if they kept that, if they were doing it. Because I, I think it's kind of hard for you to be living in that and thinking of it every moment of the day that you get a chance that you can go and be in the place where Benjamin got to and do such dastardly deeds that they done and then find themselves at war with one another in the church. Oh, yeah. Called it the church of the wilderness. Right of the New Testament. Yeah. And so, I don't know what she heard, but she says, no, I'll not let you go. But she claimed to her. She says, where thou goest, I'll go. Where thou lodgest, I'll lodge. Your people will be my people in thy cause will be my God. He says, and nothing but death is going to part me and thee. God do some more to me and more also if all but death part me and thee. And so when she saw she was determined to go, she said, okay, let's go. And so they get back to the land of Israel. And the little Moabitess woman finds herself. She says, look, here's a field near. She says, I'm going out here. She wasn't lazy. They called her a virtuous woman. They're mentioned a virtuous woman. If you look that up in Proverbs, you'll see what they mean by virtue. But she went out and gleaned in the field all day long. And Boaz happens to see her, a near kinsman, one that could redeem Elimelech's part, a near kinsman. But there was a kinsman even nearer than him. And y'all know the story how that the other kinsman would not do the part. But it said just by half she went to the field. And the field she was in was the field of Boaz. Just the man. She, friends, there's no happenstance with God. I said there's no happenstance with God. Brother Moore, he had it all figured out from the beginning of time. 
Isaiah said he would have no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. Hey, his roots, where he's from, he's a root and offspring of Jesse. Hey, he's not going to be comely. He's not going to be very desirous. He come from Tamar, which came, her, her baby is in the lineage, which came from a child that she got a, a daughter-in-law by her father-in-law. That baby, and then we come down, and here Ruth is. She's a Moabite. And God says to Moses, you're going to tell them that forever, for the 10th generation and forever, a Moabite cannot come into the congregation of Israel. They are forever banned from the congregation of Israel. But here is a little Moabitish woman who's in a field gleaning among the sheaves, picking up after those that have already gleaned the harvest. And she's making do what she can. And Boaz says, let me tell you, who are you? Oh, 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 so you belong to Naomi. Oh, yep, uh-huh. Well, okay, uh, I tell you what, uh, come up here and glean with the other ladies and the maidens uh, and uh, glean uh, right here. And then uh, later on, he told the young man, he said, look, uh, on the next day, he says, won't you just drop hands full of purpose for her so that she don't have to go through a whole lot of work to get what she needs and drop her some handfuls already picked a purpose and let her get the corn off the ground and the barley and the wheat off the ground. Let her get it in bunches and so she don't have to work so hard to get it. And when she comes home, Naomi sees a big old bag of groceries. She says, oh, something is up. Whose field was you in today? I was in a man named Boaz. She says, oh, oh, I can't believe you're good. Hey, you know, I can read the tea leaves, little baby. You didn't get this much because you picked it up after the, the gleaners. You picked this up because somebody was real good to you. And they poured it on you. And they're Hey, they found you found favor in their sight, and so she found favor in Boaz's eyes. And the story goes in the midst of all of the chaos, somehow, an oasis we find in the time of the judges. It's like a refreshing drink of water. And so Naomi instructs her what to do. And it comes the time of winnowing the wheat. He's at the threshing floor. He said, he's going to be down there at night. He says, you go in. He said, you make yourself. And you get him to throw his skirt over you. He'll take care of the rest. And so the story is she goes in. And he had eaten and drank. And his heart was merry because a good harvest, I guess. And, and he's going to sleep, and, and she lays down at his feet, and she didn't, he didn't realize it. But he said that he was startled and realized somebody said, who's there? She says, I'm thy handmaid. She says, throw your skirt over me. And in that was signifying that I'll do the part, and you're my betrothed if I can do the part of kinsman redeemer. So he threw that over. And it was as though to say that you are my betrothed now. And, uh, and so the next morning he says, hey, 
uh, look here. He says, before it's that day, he says, we don't want anybody to see you because we don't want your name tarnished because nothing has gone on. She was a virtuous woman. She played it by the book. She came out of the land of Moab. Strangers from God. You can't come into my presence. A Moabite can't come into my presence forever. She finds herself with a near kinsman redeemer saying, I'm going to go. There's another nearer than me. He said, but I, I'll do. He says, you just let me handle it. So he gives her a pack of stuff, tells her to go out in the street. She puts her shawl. She's got the groceries on her shoulder like she's been shopping early in the morning. Goes her way back to the house. Nobody knows any different. All of a sudden, he's in the gates. He's calling the elders. He said, hey, 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 hey. I forget the guy's name. He said, but look here. I want to know. Come here. Come here. Hey, you. Hey, Andrew. Come here. Brother Barry, uh, a chance. Hey, come here. Brother JJ. Nathan, y'all come here. Come here. Dennis, come here. Hey, y'all. Y'all come here. Sit around. Y'all be the witnesses. Look here now. Uh, Naomi. Uh, Elimelech had a parcel of ground, and uh, and uh, you're a nearer kinsman than me, and uh, and uh, Naomi, of course, you know she's passed, but says you'll have to take care of Naomi, and uh, he says, okay, I will redeem it. Yeah, I'll redeem it. I'll take that. He says, but when you do so, you have to redeem also Ruth the Moabitess, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. He says. Oh, no, no, no. That one mar my and uh-uh. I, I, no, no. That would mar my and uh-uh. That'll mess up what I got going on in the rest. No, I can't have that stigma attached to me. I, no, I, I can't do that. He said, well, if not, then you sell me and I'll do the part of kinsman redeemer or a near kinsman and, and buy the plot and the lot and the whole enchilada if you please and so when the man said I can't do that but yeah it's a done deal he takes off his shoe and that day we took off your shoe and it signified that the deal was done and there were witnesses there hey brother Barry Andrew y'all testifying with me that hey 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 uh, this guy done said yeah and I got his shoe so you know it's true because I got his shoe and uh, so you know that rhymes right there don't it hallelujah and so here this little more by this woman is and the, and the law Moses gave them said you cannot but I remember that in the law of the testament brother in that old tabernacle plan that in that ark of the covenant there was a table of stone when it started out the tablet of stone a golden pot of manna and there was Aaron's rod that budded in the ark and above that ark and upon that ark set a mercy seat and on the side of that mercy seat was two cherubims with their wings spread out covering the mercy seat and it tells me that the law of God is sure but the mercy of God sits upon the mercy seat over the ark and the testimony over the provision of God and all the miracles of God there is a God that David said his mercy endureth forever and never and so a little more by this woman found mercy in the sight of God in the eyes of Boaz and so he does the part of in marriage and the story is that she has a child 
The name of that child is Obed. And incidentally, Obed has a son, and the name of his son is Jesse. And Jesse has some sons, and the name of the son of Jesse that was second king of Israel was David. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I come to tell you this hit me three days ago. Just this part right here. And I couldn't remember why or how. And it came back to me today. God don't care what your lineage is. And he don't care what kind of debauchery and system you come out of. He doesn't care who your mama and your daddy is. He doesn't care where you may have lived all of your life and where your ancestors may have lived and what they may have done. It's not about your pedigree and it's not about whether you're good or good at two-shoe or you're the scum of the earth. It's about a God that looketh down in mercy and looketh down with great grace and he sits hey, on the mercy seat of God above the law and the testimony above all the provision of God looking to win the souls and the lives of men. I'm a Moabite. I hadn't got a chance. But I hear Jesus saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And here it is again. Maybe you can find rest, a place of keeping, a place. He is my shade upon my, oh, last week. Was it last week, week before last? Last week, maybe. In the flyer, Sister Debbie puts out the bulletin. Or was that today? 91st chapter of Psalm. I shall abide under the... Oh, under the almighty, under the wings, under the shelter. Hey, you shall find rest for your soul. There is a rest wherewith the weary shall rest. And there is a refreshing. It's called the Holy Ghost and fire. There is no other rest. There is no other gospel but the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is enough to pull you from the deepest hell. And from the vilest place and from the highest lofty places. And in those places, sometimes there's more debauchery and wickedness than in the low. Because if you'll notice, our God has always had an affinity for the poor. And judgment for the haughty and the high-minded and the wicked. Because that's what cast Satan out of hell. I'm out of heaven into hell. Was his pride. I will. So I'd like to tell you tonight. There is. A fountain. Filled with blood. Grown from Emmanuel's veins 
And sinners blinds beneath that blood. They lose all their guilty stains. They lose all their guilty stains. They lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. Would you stand? There is no other gospel. To be preached than that, Paul said, than that which we have already preached. And another place, in a place he says, and though I or an angel from heaven come preaching any other gospel or message that we, which we have preached, he said, let him be accursed if I or an angel. And to prove to you, I told him this morning, God don't care about your intellect. He don't care about your wisdom, how smart you are. He don't need your PhD, your DDs, your LDDs, and LLDs, and RNDs, and LTDs, and, and uh, MKXs, or whatever else it might be. He don't need none of that stuff behind your name. Matter of fact, if you got it, he probably can't use you. It's a hindrance. I got the book to back me up. Not many wise, not many noble are called. He can, but because of the human mind and because of the wisdom and the intellect and the I know and that I've, I understand that for you to really know God, you got to be like that most learned of all the apostles. He had to lose his understanding. He had to lose his intellectual common sense. He was on his way doing God's will, and God smote him. I told him Sunday school class this morning. He smote him off his beast. And he was on his way. He was zealous for God. He was eat up with the zeal of God. Just, I can't stand it. I've got to do Jehovah's work. I'm going to go kill them Christians. Them dirty dogs. And all of a sudden, he struck off his beast by a bright light, brighter than the noonday sun. He hits the ground. He says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Jehovah? I am Jesus, 
whom thou persecutest. He had to unlearn what he knew. In a moment of time, he had to come to an understanding that what I thought was right was not right. I've got to lose what I think and get what he thinks. As long as you're thinking with your mind, you're going to miss out with the things of God. But if you listen to the voice of God and get the mind of the Spirit, God will lead you and guide you into the ways of righteousness and truth and power and authority with God hope I'm not boring you and so he used brother that dude would stick his foot in his mouth at a turn I'll never forsake you let us build a temple here let us call fire down from heaven he was one of them it was always Sons of thunder, James and John, Peter, inner circle. Give me that sword. Cut your ear off. I was trying to cut your head off, but I missed. But I got your ear. Jesus said, hey, 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 stop that. That ain't what we're about. You put your sword up. He told him, go get a sword. Why? I believe he was just trying to see who was going to. Know what the mind of, he said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. Then he pulls a sword, he said, put it up. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. What you going to do with the sword? What kind of sword have you got? Have you got spiritual sword or have you got a fleshly carnal sword? What are you carrying? Are you looking under Jesus or are you looking under you? Oh, it's let me get off of that. But anyway, here, here he is. He ain't learned. He don't know nothing. He's catching fish. And he's bending his nets. And Jesus says, follow me. Hey, you're doing so good. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that ain't all. Your name, ah, it ain't going to be Simon. It's going to be Peter. Cephas, a stone. He says, and guess what? I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. To you I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven and earth. And so he gives them to a fisherman called Peter. And with those keys, an unlearned fisherman, having never learned the letters, read it. Became the spokesman for the church, for the man Christ Jesus came, his supreme spokesman on the day of Pentecost. He had the keys and he preached the message. And when they came and they said, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sin, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And many other words in the exhortation say, save yourself from this untoward generation. He's, hey. He gave him the keys. Paul put it this way. Oh, let me get through here. <laughs> I'm the only thing standing between y'all and whatever's back there. But I hope <laughs> that somehow I've sparked in your heart and your spirit something that says, I don't want to come here and come in and out 
Ecclesiastes says, and I saw the wicked come and go from the place of the holy. There's a danger. I told the Sunday school class this morning about happenings in this community years ago. I'm not going to go through that. But the fellow, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was head usher in a Jesus name apostolic church. Just because you come. Don't you start slipping and sliding and doing things and thinking you're getting by with it. You better hit the altar. You better talk to God. Yeah, you better ask, you better ask God to help you. You'll be like Benjamin. You'll forget who you are. And you'll go to a place where you never thought you would be. And so... Paul says in Corinthians, says, moreover, brethren, there is no other gospel. What is the gospel, Brother Moore? It's the death, burial, and resurrection. That's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein you stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scripture. That's death, burial, and resurrection. There is no other way. Buried with him in baptism, taken on it. There is no other way. It's Jesus everything or Jesus nothing at all and my question for you tonight is what will you do with the man Christ Jesus would you come and play us something just play us a a song And the writer said, hey, you better be careful lest we bite and devour one another. And because of where Benjamin found himself, the rest of the tribes of Israel said, we'll not give any of our daughters to them to wife. And they swear before the Lord. And so after the battle was done, They had made their oath already that they would never give their daughters to Benjamin because of the wickedness that was found in them. Benjamin was so decimated that a tribe was almost lost. So the children of Israel helped them. Told them, says, 
little young virgins, Jabesh, Gilead, and those come out dancing to go to the house of the Lord. You hide among the trees and stuff and catch you each man, him, a wife so that the tribe of Benjamin would not be lost. That's why it was the smallest tribe because it was almost wiped out by their own brethren. There is a fount filled with blood. Mephibosheth! You have no right to be alive. But because King David's friendship with Jonathan, the son of Saul, a boy that had lived in the king's palace, knew what it was to be royalty, finds himself running for his life, and a nurse snatches him up because he was about four or five years old at the time, and he falls, and they fall, and he's crippled and lame in his feet. Find him in a place called Lodibar. David says, is there any left of the house of Saul? in the house of Jonathan that I can show kindness to my friend Jonathan. He said, there's a son of Jonathan's, yeah. He's in Lodabar. Ziba, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do, servant of Saul. You keep Saul's, Jonathan's land. You keep that parcel. You keep it all. You till it, you keep it. And take care of everything that's left them just like they're all still there but Mephibosheth you bring him to me because he's going to get to sit at the king's table he knew what it was to sit at the table of royalty some of you know what it's like to sit at the table of royalty Somehow you became lame in your feet. But there's a fount still flowing. You should have died with Rispa's kids. Because Saul made a breach on a, was it the men of Jabesh, I think, again? And they were not supposed to because they had a covenant with the children of Israel. Saul broke that covenant. He said, seven sons of Saul. He saved Mephibosheth from that.
You may not know it. But the king is saving you right now for himself. It ain't by hap that you've landed in the right field tonight. It's not by chance. What will you do with the man, Jesus? Will you take him like he is? He had no form of comeliness that we should regard him. He is despised and rejected of men. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We're going to sing. And then you're going to go eat. I done you good about an hour. I think. That's pretty short for me, right? If you would like to talk to your friend, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who stands with outstretched arms. Furthermore, I don't know. Maybe it's times but the last two or three weeks there has been a almost a downward push like from the portals of heaven I need for you to be what I've called you to be. He didn't call you to sit on the pew and do nothing. He needs us to be like him. I need you to show the world who I am. And I need for you to shine like only I shine. When I shine through you. And we believe he loves you tonight. Let's pray. Let's seek the face of God as we sing. Don't help us sing. The blood that my Jesus shed for me. He shed it way. On Calvary, oh, the blood that gives me strength, me strength from Oh. 
love him. Pastor Moore's coming. Oh, we love you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As we put our hands together unto the Lord here tonight. My, 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 what a word we have heard in this house tonight. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Praise God. Thank God for the Boaz called Jesus Christ. Could it be that the person actually represented Israel, the nation of Israel? But she wasn't willing to redeem the world. She even made it her business, amen, to go around Samaria. But when Jesus Christ came, he came in, amen, to tear down the petitions and the walls. Bring both the first and the last together. <laughs> you and I as Gentiles, we better be thankful for the man called Jesus Christ. For we was without hope, without promise, without God. But now, through Jesus Christ, who's made this way so much different for us. That we might know him and serve him. Thank you, Brother Ford, for the word of God tonight. Planted in our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. Praise God. Praise God. All right. A few things we'll take care of. Um, birthdays. Birthdays. Got any birthdays? All right. Haley. Okay. All right, Landon, Haley, anyone else? Have we caught up with everybody? Who did we miss last week? What about the week last week? All right, let's sing. Give them both a good hand tonight. Praise the Lord. Man, thank God for birthdays. Amen. Anniversaries. Anniversaries. All right. Brother Randy and Sister Debbie. Okay. Brother Ford and Sister Ford. That's right. Amen. 40 years. Holy macaron. Praise God. <laughs> All right. She's gone. We're going to sing anyway. We'll sing loud. All right.
give him a good hand tonight. God bless him. Amen, amen. All right, let's stand together. Praise God. We're going to go back. We got faith tonight, so we're going to celebrate Sister Moore's birthday <laughs> a little ahead of time. Praise the Lord. She didn't realize July, how quick July was getting here. <laughs> but it's here. But uh, we're going to go back and celebrate it tonight. Amen. So just a little advance. So if you would, come back and join with us. Why don't you, let's pray and ask God to bless it, bless the food and the fellowship. Lord, we love you and appreciate you tonight. So thankful for the word, the power, and the presence of the Lord and all that's in a, in a part of this service here tonight. Your hand has been great. Your presence, we give you honor for that, praise for that. We ask you, God, to go with us. Help us have a good time in fellowship, celebrating my wife's birthday. God, bless the hands, prepare this food as we receive it with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.